Hi guys, welcome to the Black Nature Narratives podcast. I'm Beth. In this episode, I'm talking with Ebony Preston, Director of Programmes for the Greening Youth Foundation, a national non-profit within the US. Listen in to hear how this Atlanta-based organisation has partnered with the National Park Service to increase opportunities for African-American young people to enter environmental careers. So I'm here with uh, Ebony Preston, the Director of Programmes at the Greening Youth Foundation. Hi, Ebony. Hi. Hi. The Greening Youth Foundation, what's the work that you're doing? Sure, sure. So we started as an environmental education organization 12 years ago. Um, we're based in Atlanta, Georgia, and so our CEO and founder wanted to do a program for Earth Day and saw that there just wasn't a lot of, let's go outside, let's have fun anymore. <laughs> Everything was kind of being transitioned inside the classroom, and so she wanted to address that. And so she was doing that in Gwinnett County. Um, which has a lot of resources. And she said, how can I make this so that my sons, my CEO is black, how can I make it so that my sons and folks that look like him get this every day? Yeah. Um, and so our then, um, or our now board chair, worked with her, they were neighbors, and they went in different schools and just started doing environmental education and wellness education, just saying, hey, you should be an environmental steward, this is why, or this is what that means, like, yes, recycle, but then also, like, clean up your room, that's important too, but, like, go outside and enjoy outside and get off your phone, and that really just kind of birthed what our organization was, and that um, came to be known as our public school initiative, Um, and again, just environmental and wellness education, but specifically making sure that communities of color knew that the environment was for them and that they are a part of that. Um, and so then fast forwarding a little bit, 2009, we responded to a request for proposals for the Department of Interior to do an internship program. And at that time, we it was for four interns, and they were like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. Like, this is not our space. Yeah. We're environmental educators. Um, but they said, hey, we'll try it. Um, fast forward that 10 years, we've probably graduated three, 4,000 people from our internship programs. It's blown up significantly. Yeah. Um, and it's because one, these agencies like National Park Service, Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, our federal partners are saying, hey, one, our workforce isn't very diverse, which isn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, two, in the next three years, 70% of that workforce is eligible for retirement. Wow, so, 70%. 70%, that's a lot of people, yeah. right? Um, and unless things don't pick up, like a lot of people are going to take, they're going to leave because the retirement looks beautiful. Now, when it comes to these young people in retirement, that's another yeah. story. But for the people that are working right now, like they have these plans and those government packages are really, really good. So we were saying, okay, what can we do to train our young people, not only to get them in those positions, but to train them and make sure that they thrive while they're there, Mm -hmm. if they have to go back to school while they're there, um, and then once they graduate, so they can be successful and be leaders in that space. And so we have these engagements, whether it's three months, six months, a year, where we're working with them and we're training them. And even though they may be working at Grand Canyon in Arizona or in the Virgin Islands or Alaska or DC, New York, what have you, we're constantly in their ear doing mentorship and professional development and also sending them to conferences or having like culminating workshops at the end of the programs, if you will, where we're literally right there talking with them, bringing in industry specialists that look like them, that have similar backgrounds as them, that have traveled, that have been lost, that have been confused to say, hey, you're not the first person to go yeah. through this. And let's build community around that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm, I'm just thinking, wow, what a journey over 10 years. Mm -hmm. It's gone from two women in their local communities inspiring local school children with that broad definition of environment yeah. from tidying a room to pick up litter yeah. um, to, to building it into a national organisation right. with thousands of, of graduates who are working all over the world, yeah. not just the States. Right. Um, that's extraordinary work and it, it feels really deep. Yeah, it does. It does. And we... They saw that and they saw that people were getting jobs and they were getting hired by these agencies because we're a federal partner. We get to offer federal hiring authorities, meaning it makes it significantly easier to transition. Um, but then Andu, who's our founder and CEO, she just kind of took a step back and she was just like, well, everybody's not going to school. Um, and you know, people need jobs still, regardless if they take that traditional path. So what can that look like? Um, so now we also have our urban youth core. It started as the Atlanta youth core, but thinking about scalability and just working in different spaces became the urban youth core. And so it's for that 18 to 25 year old demographic who may not want to go to a two or four year university, or maybe they went and go, this is not for mm -hmm. me, but showing that they do have an opportunity in these green collar jobs, if you will. And so looking at urban agriculture and horticulture and silviculture, I jokingly say all the cultures, yeah. but um, <laughs> doing things like tree care management and wildland firefighting, timber marking, things that don't require a degree, mm -hmm. but can have you being very successful long term. Yeah. And are these um, courses and programs which are recognized by the Parks Authority? They are, they are. So while we're doing these programs, we're doing it in partnership with those organizations. Mm -hmm. So our tree care program was funded by the Forest Service. Right. So they're right there. Um, they're getting these professional uh, certificates and things like, and trainings and sitting alongside people mm -hmm. that are kind of on the other side of it so that when it's time for them to compete, they're right there, you know, they have the same experience. Now, maybe there were some additional things that we had to put in the program. So maybe I need to give you a bus pass, mm -hmm. or maybe I need to, to have lunch for you at the training to get you here. Because with a lot of these young people that we're working with in these programs, it's a mental thing as much as it is going outside into the field. So kind of helping them get that and understand what it means to be a professional in the space. For a lot of them, it's their first like real, real job mm -hmm. outside of you know like helping around the house or working at McDonald's or something like yeah. that. So we really want them to see that this is an industry or career path that they can go down. Yeah, what's it like for them, sort of culturally stepping into a new space? What, how are they feeling? What are the responses to them? Sure, sure. So for our urban youth core, for them doing the grunt work and being outside for twelve hours in the sun, that's the easy stuff. Mm -hmm. For them, it's the soft skills that have taken the most work and yeah. it's like a constant reset so conflict resolution getting to work on time how do I articulate who I am and what I've done and these transferable skills that's been the difficult part mm -hmm. for them um, but then on our internships it's quite the opposite and that they've gone through university and they've you know had other mentorships and internships and things like that but it's like culture shock in that one I've only done biology in the in a lab. I don't know what that looks like in a park. Mm -hmm. Or two, I'm the only person that looks like me in my, yes. in, at these parks. And yeah. that can be very intimidating, especially for a 19-year-old. Yeah, and I'm wondering how they find that sense of place and, and yeah. belonging. It's hard. Mm. It's hard. Um, so we have a program, our Historically Black Colleges and University Internship Program. So we're very intentionally getting students from HBCUs. Well, most students at HBCUs are black. Now the parks that are in the program, it could be again like a Grand Canyon or Grand Teton or whatever, and the staff is predominantly white or yeah. completely white, right? Yeah. Like that, they're the first black person there and they're like lost. And so we introduce mentorship programs where we have 
permanent park service staff that may not be at that park, but they can get on the phone with them. We make our staff ourselves at Greenies Foundation make ourselves very accessible to them. We do the workshops. We're constantly doing webinars so they can literally just see faces. Mm -hmm. We say, yes, call your mom, like talk to your family, figure yeah. out what that looks like. And we have those conversations with them early. Mm -hmm. So part of the position descriptions, we say, what's the work environment? We're asking when the park says, hey, I want to be in the program. Where can they go get food? Where can they go get their hair done? Yes. What is there to do for fun? Do they have a TV and cable? Because these things mm -hmm. ma matter to 20 year olds. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining the culture of these organizations aren't set up for people that look like they the aren't. young people you work exactly. with. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. So being very intentional about that messaging and being transparent because we don't want to give them surprises. There's going to be enough surprises when they go to the park mm -hmm. and things that they, the microaggressions or just the blatant disrespect, but yeah. saying, hey, we got your back. Like, yeah. don't quit because if you don't get it here, you may get it somewhere else. Yeah. Or this may be small and be preparation for something else to come. So just kind of giving them those techniques mm -hmm. and skills and things to look out for yeah. so that they're better prepared. It's, uh, it's I'm involved in, in similar work, not exactly the same as what you're doing, but it's um, it's that that uh, double aspect to the work. Mm -hmm. It's not simply learning about this tree and what it's called and how it relates right. to this tree right. but it's also uh, the, the social dynamics Absolutely. the cultural dynamics and sort of surviving and thriving in spaces right. that perhaps aren't set up to welcome us that's it that's it um, before I came to this work I was a social worker mm. um, and so emotional intelligence is something that I talk about all the time that I used to talk about with my clients but here this summer I saw the need to definitely talk about it with our interns, um, especially the folks, like I said, of color that are going to these spaces and they're just like, he was really rude and nasty to me and I think it was on purpose. And mm -hmm. I was like, it probably was, yeah. but how do you deal with that? Mm -hmm. Do you know before that situation even happens how you're gonna respond? Mm -hmm. And so having those conversations with them to have it themselves and be like, hey, be truthful. Like mm -hmm. if you're gonna lie to somebody, don't lie to yourself. So really get to know who you are because there's certain situations that maybe you can't handle that you don't need to put yourself in yeah but then there's other situations where it may be uncomfortable but being comfortable being uncomfortable and just kind of making those challenges and you know going over them and just thinking about what's the goal at the end so yeah. just kind of arm them with all of that yeah. knowledge yeah it's such valuable work but there's a part of me just reacting it's still in 2019 we're having to do the extra emotional oh, yeah. work just mm -hmm. to to support people to be resilient Absolutely. regardless of of the actual job itself mm -hmm. it's quite sad mm. it can be very defeating um i was i was talking to my ceo a couple of days ago um about you know what green youth foundation looks like in 20 years and she goes ebony you think there'll be a green youth foundation in 20 years and i was like absolutely she's like why? I mean, the goal of nonprofits is to solve an issue, so you're essentially working yourself out of a job. Mm -hmm. But I was like, there's too many people that don't want to see the other, you mm -hmm. know, what's been known as the other, be successful mm -hmm. and thrive. And I said, absolutely. And then you go turn on the news, you go, yep, we're going to be here yeah. in 20 years. So as sad as it is, um, it's been good for us in that we get to help these young people and let them know because it's all about exposure. Mm -hmm. They don't know these agencies exist. I didn't know this, these agencies existed before I started working. Um, but letting them know that it's one, it's there, but you can also be a leader in that space. And I think that's just as important. Yeah, that's a really powerful message that we're not simply there um, by permission of someone right. else. These spaces right. are for us too. Right. And not right. only that, we can lead and help facilitate that's others it. enjoying them. That's it, yeah. that's it. So how did you go from social worker to sure. leading the programs? Sure, um, so my, in doing social work, I did it in New York City. 
Um, but I really had a passion for workforce development and just looking at, I worked for the National Urban League and we partnered with like the Department of Labor, but we were also doing a lot of like on the ground work. I work in, in headquarters and so I work with the different affiliate offices on the ground across the country. Mm. Um, and even though I saw there was a lot of similarity, so fighting recidivism, making sure that people aren't going back or looking at literacy rates for adults and how they were just as low as like elementary school classes. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Um, but these are the same people that regardless of them having all these things thrown at them, they're still expected to be in the workforce and thrive. Yeah. And I go, how can I shape my mind or programming or what it is that I'm trying to do to, to I know all of this now. So what can I do to serve them and mm -hmm. kind of give them the tools that they need? Um, I saw the clinical aspect of it. Um, which is very rewarding work, but it's kind of a person at a time. And I think that's important, but it's also important in clinical social work to be able to take that, to, to kind of cut it off when yeah. you finish. And I'm not a person that can cut it off uh. <laughs> once I start. I gotta keep going, yeah. I wanna follow you through. So looking at it kind of from that 30,000 foot lens of mm -hmm. how can we help solve this issue, um, I looked into workforce development a bit more. And like I said, I started with National Urban League and then in me wanting to move back to Atlanta where home was, um, I just kind of fell onto Green News Foundation and I had my interview and the CEO offered me my job that afternoon. It was crazy and I'm like, oh my goodness. But I'm kind of also one of those go with the flow and it just kind of felt right. And yeah. it's felt right for three and a half years. And every day that I wake up, I'm excited about what I do. So it's workforce development, but then also seeing the beauty of just going on a walk yeah. or being on a hike or seeing a kid really like enjoy the space and be a kid again and get off their phones. And I just want to run around and play and get dirty or getting those phone calls from you know, people who started an internship maybe six months prior and now they're hired and they're like, I never saw this for myself. So it makes it worth it every single day, you know? Yeah, it, it feels a, a real blessing that yeah. you're getting to see other people uh, have that benefit of time right. in nature, but also for right. yourself. Right. Your, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's good work and it makes the heart feel good and I never have to question why. There's a new why every day. It's yeah. not, I'm looking for a reason to do it. It's like, I can't even quantify how many reasons there are to do it. And I'm seeing that I can impact people in a number of different spaces, which is what I set out to do when I first started. Yeah. I can hear something perhaps, again, similar in our work is that we're perhaps focusing on the relationship with nature mm -hmm. uh, rather than necessarily being in the climate sure. um, space. And, and that value in, in nurturing the connection, which then takes people on their own journey mm -hmm. with nature, but, but sets up that um, enjoyment, but also the care of right. the natural um, environment. Right, yeah, I think that's really important. I think being stewards of it means a lot of different things and taking care of it, yes, but then being one with it. And I think to get there too, because I find a lot of us don't feel like we, this is our, our space, you mm -hmm. know, it's public land, your taxes pay for it, it's yours. I think we have to understand that first. I think um, a lot of minorities, especially African-Americans within this country, they think outside and in the fields and there's a lot of negative connotations. Yeah. And I'm like, we. I don't wanna say you have to get over it or get past it, but you have to see through it. Mm. Um, don't forget your history, but know that there's more to it than just that, you know, and really just kind of own the space and take pride in the space and be a part of the space. Um, I think yeah. that's important work there, yeah. And perhaps it can now become a place of healing. Exactly. Not, not just exactly. the site of the harm. Exactly, mm. exactly. Yep. <laughs> so for you, what was your experience growing up in Atlanta with, with the natural world? Was it something um, in your life? Sure, sure. So I moved around a lot growing up, actually. So I call Atlanta home. Mm. Um, but, but before I even went to college, I went to 11 schools. So wow. I moved around. Yeah, I moved around <laughs> a whole lot. 
Um, but we always ended up back in Georgia, and here I am again. Um, but in living in like Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and, and Virginia and places like that, we definitely went outside. You know, we grew up very humbly in that. I didn't get a cell phone until I was like 17, 18 years old, which is not the norm for millennials, right? <laughs> um, but in growing up with my grandparents and then my mom as well, just kind of being there and they said, go be a kid. Like mm -hmm. I was always in sports or I had to, like PE was outside. You know, like yeah. it was things that made me kind of just be out there. We would, I go to camp every summer mm -hmm. um, and it was an outdoor camp and I had to sleep in a very uncomfortable day, <laughs> you know? But those things, I'd look back on them and I'm like, man, that was amazing. Or um, I was in a gifted and talented program when I was in elementary school and I didn't even know it was a national park to maybe two months ago, but every year we did like this week long retreat mm -hmm. at Cumberland Island. Had no idea it was a part of this national park system, but there I saw, I will never forget, I saw a wild seahorse, a wild horse, sorry, being born, which was really wow. gross, but I still have that image yes, and walking yeah. on the beach and just kind of, you know, mm -hmm. and they say, these are what smart kids do. The smart kids go out here and learn. The smart kids are one with nature. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I didn't think anything about it until fast forward 20 years. And this is literally the space that I'm in and me trying to get more kids of yeah. color to be like, this is where you go. And you just have fun and enjoy it. And if you want this to be your career, it can be. And it's kind of like this, yeah. this cycle of getting more kids out there yeah. and just kind of loving the land. So I guess... I didn't mean to do it. It happened unintentionally, but it was very intentional in that it's helped me be kind of successful in this space right now. Yeah. yeah. Wanting to pass that forward. Yeah. It's such incredible work. We yeah. wish you every success with Thank it. Thank you. Um, where can people find out more about what you've been doing? Sure, sure. So everything about our programs and things like that are on our website, uh, gyfoundation.org. We also do a lot of podcasts ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's called The Green Speakers, where we're interviewing past interns and supervisors and folks that are just kind of paving the way to have those conversations. Um, but yeah, it's all on there. We try to make ourselves very you know, in this world of digital content um, and social media, very much out there. So at Green News Foundation, all social media outlets and, yeah, just out in the world. <laughs> Great. Ebony Preston, thanks so yeah. much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Black Nature Narratives. Check back soon for new episodes. If you're in the UK and want to be part of a community of people of colour gathering in nature in real life, Sign up to wildinacity.org.uk for updates, events and membership. To support this podcast, visit our Patreon page or the link below.